Aside from a podcast with great content and delivery, I like a podcast with a catchy graphic or well-presented visual content as well. That's a real added bonus to me. And I think to myself, that looks good, that. Creating that can't have been easy. I'm more of a writer and broadcaster than an artist. I don't find that bit too simple. But it can be because I discovered Canva for Teams and with it, you or you and your team can collaborate and design eye-catching content quite easily and quickly from professionally designed business presentations and sleek-looking documents right through to your own eye-catching social media posts Canva for Teams allows you to design pretty much anything in a creative yet fun way. With Canva and its many branches, you've got Canva presentations that will take yours to the next level, Canva Docs, Canva whiteboards that gives you and your team the space to brainstorm for the best results, and Canva Print so you can turn the inspirations that you have into designs in absolutely no time at all and bring them to life on anything from images on mugs to posters, and all printed planet-friendly. With the many premium fonts, graphics, and free library of videos and pictures at your disposal, you'll enjoy messing about for hours on Canva. It's loaded with suggested templates that will pop up and help with your creative process each step of the way. And with tools such as Magic Eraser, any changes you may want to make say there may be the odd unwanted detail or distractions in your images that you want rid of, then you can do, no problem. Design and collaborate with Canva for Teams. Right now, you can get a free 45-day extended trial when you go to canva.me slash TCE. That's C-A-N-V-A dot M-E slash T-C-E for a free 45-day extended trial canva.me slash tce hello all and the very warmest of welcomes to the true crime enthusiast podcast the regular slice of true crime that may be unfamiliar to you off the beaten track that i bring to you from my spare room in north wales and that i've scoured the length and breadth of the uk and ireland to do so the I doing this is myself, Paul, the creator, host, and true crime enthusiast of the show's title. I am, as ever, accompanied by my beloved hairy football, Peeksy, the true crime enthusiast cat, is here as per ever. And we're completed by yourselves, the wonderful enthusiasts that make the show so worthwhile to do. It means, as ever, the world having you join us today, which I thank you kindly for doing so, and I hope that as you have done, then it's for an episode that finds you and yours all good, all safe, and all well. No messing about today then, right down to the tale in question here then, and for the tale this time around, we head back only a few years ago, and to the district of Withenshaw, the largest district in the UK city of Manchester. And at the time of its initial development, which was the largest council estate in Europe, Facts about Withenshaw include that it is the peanut butter capital of the UK, with more than 150,000 jars being produced each day at the Dewar's factory there. Whether you like peanut butter or not, I can't bear it myself personally, but there you go. It's the outdoor filming location for the TV series Shameless, Scar! And notable people to hail from there include boxer Tyson Fury, footballer Marcus Rashford, the legendary Manchester band Joy Division's manager and co-owner of the Hacienda nightclub, Rob Gretton, and Harold Steptoe himself, 
late actor Harry H. Corbett. Withenshaw was also home for a time to Polish national Magdalena Lysica and her toddler son James, two people who will feature in the sad tale that I've got for you this time around. A tragic story that I'm sure, as it progresses, will anger many of you also, and is one that's bound to cause debate too. The episode contains details and descriptions of crimes and events, including descriptions of abuse, descriptions of a sexual nature, and injury detail involving a child, that some listeners may find disturbing and or distressing, so please use discretion whilst you're listening in all. Bearing that in mind, please join the True Crime Enthusiast for an episode that I've entitled Control. It was just after midnight, the early hours of Sunday the 27th of August 2017, when police officers, responding to an urgent call for concern about an occupant of a house in an estate just off the A555 Manchester Airport Ringway Road, forced open the door to number 8 Beeford Road to make a terrible discovery. The front hall of the property, its carpet and woodwork, was heavily bloodstained, a result of only a few minutes before, at 11.55pm, when the tenant of the property, 31-year-old Polish national Magdalena Lysica, had stumbled out of the door and into the arms of her partner, 31-year-old pilot Peter Chilvers having inflicted severe injuries to herself. With Chilvers immediately running Magdalena to Withenshaw Hospital, police were contacted when either Magdalena or Chilvers, it's unclear which, called them to say that the couple's 23-month-old son, James, was still in the house. So with the well-being of the boy priority, police went immediately around and forced their way in. Upstairs, either in his bedroom or lying in the bath, there are conflicting reports as to which. They discovered the unresponsive body of James, who had suffered multiple stab wounds. Despite the best efforts of distraught officers to provide first aid to the toddler, the wounds were catastrophic, and he was later pronounced dead at the scene, which must be the unimaginable stuff of nightmares. It really must. I couldn't even begin to put myself in such a picture. At Withenshaw Hospital, both Chilvers and Magdalena were arrested on suspicion of murder, although Chilvers was later released without charge on this. But as Magdalena recovered from her injuries, which included several self-inflicted stab wounds, one puncturing her lung and a gash to her throat where she'd tried to sever her own jugular, the disturbed woman was watched around the clock by police, at one stage having to be placed in restraints to prevent her pulling apart her own stitches. It was to be almost a month before they were able to speak to her about James's death, however, as due to the sudden mental breakdown she'd suffered late on that Saturday evening, she'd been detained under the Mental Health Act and was transferred to a mental health facility on the 1st of September. When she was deemed by doctors fit to be interviewed, almost a month later, she at first came out with a confused and rambling story that held no substance about how intruders had broken into the house on Beeford Road on the night of James's death, before changing the tale to later claim that her partner, Peter Chilvers, may even have had a motive to kill James, saying that he was an inconvenience to him. 
It was to be the 11th of January 2018 when Magdalena Lasica was deemed well enough to be discharged from psychiatric care and to a prison facility. And on Friday the 26th of January, dressed in a grey jumper and black trousers, she appeared in the dock at Manchester and Salford Magistrates Court, charged with the murder of James Chilvers. Speaking only to confirm a name and date of birth, as she'd claimed not to have a current address, Magdalena was then remanded in custody to appear again three days later before a judge at Manchester Crown Court and was arraigned for trial for the murder of her son. On July the 12th, 2018, the day her trial for murder was due to begin, Magdalena Lasica finally admitted killing her son James, though entering a guilty plea to manslaughter on the grounds of diminished responsibility the result of a breakdown that had emerged without warning as she'd never previously suffered from mental health problems and an offence she had no memory of committing, which was accepted by the Crown after reading reports by doctors who had examined her following her arrest and who all agreed she was suffering from, at the time of James's death, an abnormality of mental functioning which impaired her ability to understand her own conduct, form a rational judgment or exercise self-control. Ahead of her sentencing six days later at Preston Crown Court, which was attended by James's grandparents, retired teachers Richard and Hilary Chilvers, and his father, Peter Chilvers, the court was allowed to hear victim personal statements from the family, with Hilary Chilvers tearfully saying from the witness box, Because of this tragedy, James has been denied the rest of his life. Even at his tender age, this was a life full of potential and promise. He was just starting to speak and was making rapid progress. On the morning of the day he was killed, he recognised the spelling of his name and James said it aloud to us. We have all been deprived of James's presence in our life. He was adorable, beautiful, inquisitive and loving and we feel so let down. For nearly seven years we welcomed Magdalena Lasica into our family and got to know her well. We gave her kindness, friendship, support and love. James's death has devastated our family. We will never again be able to live life to the full. Peter Chilvers, as I said, was also in court for the sentencing and in his statement read to the court, he said, James Andrew Chilvers was a delightful little boy, always cheerful and great fun to be with. I devoted all of my spare time to be with him. He was my life. He was exceptionally bright and talented in everything he did. He was beautiful with his blonde hair, blue eyes and angelic smile. As James's parents, we both had great plans and wanted the best for him as James's life had been one great holiday. Due to our lifestyle, James had been used to travelling extensively and had visited nine countries. Shortly before his untimely death, we purchased a new home that would have provided the stability he needed. He would have had a fantastic childhood and life thereafter. He was so cruelly and viciously robbed of his life. Losing James has left a massive void in our life. The experience of the past year has completely broken me. The sense of pain, loss and betrayal far beyond what anyone should experience in their life. As part of the mitigating argument ahead of sentencing, 
as part of it. Magdalena's barrister, Timothy Roberts Casey, told the court of her mental illness. It was not a condition that had been previously diagnosed. It was not a condition that was willfully exacerbated by the defendant. The significant feature of this case is this accused has never had any mental health difficulties at all in her life. The onset of this particular abnormality was very rapid and sudden. Now there is a slight further bit to this, but I shall come on to it in a moment. Mr Justice Dove then told Magdalena as he sentenced her to 15 years imprisonment. James Chilvers was not quite two years old when he was brutally stabbed to death by you. It was a sustained attack with a knife in which multiple blows were struck whilst he was on his bed at home. There was no conceivable outcome other than he would be killed. His unique presence in the world was taken from us. Who knows what he might have grown up to achieve. He was a young child who was dearly loved and cherished by those around him. As a tragic innocent victim, he was caught between two warring parents. Whatever the rights and wrongs of that dispute, the last thing that should have happened was that he should have lost his life, killed by a parent. Magdalena was then taken away to begin her sentence, with the earliest possible release on license date being 2026, when she will have served half of this sentence and will be 40 years old. Now, you may think I've come at this tale arse about face, or it's some sort of rush job, tell a story in 10 minutes with your head underwater, all that, but I have written it deliberately in such a way, as I shall explain now. There were accusations made before and following Magdalena's arrest, during the ensuing investigation, and during Magdalena's sentencing hearing, that when detectives had looked into them, it warranted serious charges having been brought against her then-partner, Peter Chilvers, and that the further part of the mitigating argument by Mr Roberts I have just before hinted at read completely as follows. The onset of this particular abnormality was very rapid and sudden. It was induced by the deliberate, relentless and ultimately overwhelming psychological torment inflicted on her by Peter Chilvers. It was imposed upon her repeatedly. He had, during their toxic relationship, portrayed a landscape of unending misery if she did not comply with his demands. Because Chilvers had been charged, but not yet faced trial for these charges, Mr Justice Dove had imposed restrictions which prohibited the media upon reporting on the outcome of Magdalena's trial until he had been and so the full story did not emerge until December 2019. But we shall get to that in time after seeing what led to such horrific and tragic events. And to begin with, we need to go back a few years first, to the late 1990s. Originally from a middle-class household in Stoke-on-Trent, in the county of Staffordshire, it had for many years been the dream of Peter Chilvers to become a pilot. In fact, it meant everything to him. He'd become interested in flying as a teenager when he got involved with gliding, and although after leaving school he went on to Essex University to study modern history and international relations, he could never shake this dream of being an aviator, especially encouraged by the advice of a family friend who worked for Dutch carrier KLM, 
and decided to go for it. Now, to do so isn't cheap, and Chilva's family made huge sacrifices to help him achieve this dream, as he was to put it later, they all believed in me, and I wanted to succeed in life. So much did they believe in Peter, that his parents remortgaged their home to help raise the estimated £130,000 it would cost to qualify as a pilot, and his grandmother donated some of her life savings to help him. He hit a slight bump in the road with this when in March 2010, a fledgling company he'd invested £15,000 in to be trained by, a carrier based out of Oxford named Varsity Express, collapsed after just 11 flights, leaving he and three other pilots, who had been offered a £24,000 a year job after being interviewed in London, and had handed over a total of £52,500 between them to be type-trained to learn to fly the company's 18-seat Jetstream 31 plane on daily flights between Oxford and Edinburgh, out of pocket. It was grounded and went kaput after just a week, leaving passengers, and Chilvers, stranded in the Scottish capital, and causing Thames Valley Police to launch an investigation into allegations of fraudulent activity at the airline. However, the entrepreneur behind Varsity Express, Martin Holstead, who, slightly off-topic, is worth a read about an interesting character, shall we say, denied any wrongdoing, and pledged that all the pilots would be repaid in full, as well as refunds for between 350 and 400 passengers, who had all booked trips with Varsity, but had not yet travelled, which were then being processed, he claimed. Upon completion of his training in Oxford Aviation Academy, Chilvers had been due to start his first pilot's job with Varsity in May of that year, and then feared that losing the money he'd given to Varsity would harm his chances of future employment in the industry, he explained at the time. I always wanted to be a pilot. I was incredibly excited to begin work. It would have been real flying and a great route to start off on, with short sectors all in the UK. Being based out of Oxford would have been the ideal location. Varsity held the interviews in the Gherkin in London, and that sort of thing doesn't come cheaply, so I thought these guys were well-backed. Currently, in the airline industry, companies that are taking on the most pilots want some financial contribution, and having no money rules me out of quite a lot of jobs in the industry that are open to someone of my experience level. My family have stood by me and helped me as much as possible, but their finances have been completely exhausted. My main concern is being reimbursed for this money and being able to pay my debts off to my family. I'm devastated. I'm desperate to get that money back. Ultimately, Varsity going tits up did not harm Chilver's chances of a career in aviation, and after further training in Ireland and Florida, by the autumn of 2010, aged just 24, he was working as a second officer for Ryanair, based out of Frankfurt in Germany. Sounds a pretty good life, doesn't it? A family who will go the extra mile for you? the drive and ambition to succeed, and he has the look of a pilot too, does Chilvers, or an 80s movie villain, or even the world's premier level 42 frontman impersonator. The life of Magdalena Lasica was in somewhat of a contrast to Peter Chilvers. 
Little's reported about Polish-born Magdalena's early years, though she was described as having a difficult start in life and was reportedly adopted from a young age. However, by all accounts she was a bright and likeable child and as the years passed had grown into a young woman with the world at her feet. A friend of hers later told the Daily Mail newspaper, She was bubbly, really clever and strong. Nothing would faze her. After completing a master's degree in foreign literary texts, Magdalena, or Magda as she was known to her friends, had left a home in Poland and decided to travel the world. And what better way to do so than as part of a flight crew? With her qualifications in languages, her winning personality and her attractive blonde looks, Magdalena had in her early 20s gained employment as a member of cabin crew for Ryanair and it was while working for Ryanair that her and Peter Chilvers' paths had first crossed in November 2010. Both based out of Frankfurt Airport, the couple had first met at a bash in a German bar that Magdalena had held to celebrate her 24th birthday on the 18th of November of that year, and had hit it off famously. Nothing had happened between them apart from chatting on Facebook until a Christmas party the following month, when Magdalena, who had been nominated the designated driver that evening to ferry some of the other partygoers home, had dropped Chilvers off at the apartment he was renting and had accepted his offer of coming in for a coffee and not leaving until the following morning. After they'd slept together for this first time, by January 2011, Chilvers and Magdalena were very firmly a couple and were described by those who knew them as being head over heels in love. Early in 2011, the pair even rented a flat together in Frankfurt, sharing the expenses equally, and for a while, things were idyllic. The first hint that Chilvers could be anything but the perfect boyfriend came quite early on in 2011, when the couple had been for a night out to a bar. Following their drunken night out, when they'd returned in, Chilvers had vomited everywhere and then fallen asleep, so understandably, Magdalena had slept on the sofa to avoid getting any vomit on her. When he woke up and she wasn't there in bed, Chilvers accused her of not loving him, shouted at her, went around slamming the doors and thumping on walls. In fact, so much of a scene did he make that to defuse the situation, Magdalena ended up apologising to him. Years later, Magdalena said she talked myself into believing it was a one-off. After Chilvers had moved back to the UK to work out of Liverpool Airport, Magdalena had gotten a staff transfer there too, moving in with him first to a caravan in the Cheshire town of Frodsham and then to a nearby rental cottage in the village of Delamere as they embarked on a new life together. But when they moved to the UK, Magdalena began to feel increasingly isolated being further away from her family in her native Poland. And although she considered accepting a post into Mallorca for six months, Chilvers ultimately persuaded her not to. It was, prosecutors would say years later, after their relationship had unravelled with such horrendous consequences, an early indication of the behaviour Chilvers would use to intimidate and control her. He would become, in her words, a controlling monster. And indeed, 
as time wore on, Chilver's behaviour towards his partner got worse and worse. As prosecutors would later put it, over the next months and years, he repeatedly mistreated and bullied her at ever-increasing levels to see what he could get away with. It started with the oh-all-too-sadly-familiar irrational jealousy, possessive behaviour, comments on what she wore, and picking fights with Magdalena, accusing her of being too friendly with other men when they went out. For example, one evening when they were out having a few drinks, Chilvers became upset when he saw Magdalena looking at two men who had been larking about in the pub, as were most of the other patrons looking at them. And when she went to the toilet following this, he followed her and backed her into a corner, repeatedly thumping the wall above her head with his fist as she cowered to express his displeasure. He would then blame her for his own actions or would completely deny anything had happened. There was also a casually sadistic side to Chilvers. He would regularly pinch Magdalena when they were in public on the pretense of messing about yet hurting her and would do things such as suddenly restrict her breathing by holding her nose and mouth whilst they were kissing, only releasing his grip when she squirmed in panic. But the sadism soon metamorphosed into the sexual side of their relationship also. Chilvers would often be rough with Magdalena during sex, choking her and not desisting when she claimed he was hurting her, and would reportedly also often wake her by slapping her face with his penis which, although she didn't like, she accepted because she later claimed she thought was a kink of his. This soon became him slapping her with it to wake her and then holding her head to force her into giving him oral sex. Disgustingly, often before he'd showered, but perhaps the most bizarre yet demeaning thing he would make Magdalena do is to eat the hairs that he'd plucked from his forehead, placing them into her mouth and ordering her to swallow telling her, if you loved me, you'd eat it. He must have done this fairly constantly because in available pictures of him, he has more of a five head than a forehead, so receding he seems. As so many others who find themselves in such situations feel, Magdalena would say years later that she felt she had no choice but to comply and that she always hoped that each incident would be the last. She said later, he used to get a spark in his eyes when I challenged him about it. He would look at me with a smile in his eyes and say, sorry, he didn't mean it. Despite the toxic and pointless relationship this sounds like, both seemed set on further commitment to one another. And at the end of 2011, one day Chilvers took Magdalena to a spot beside Coniston Water, a favourite destination of his family when he was growing up and somewhere we've visited before on the show, for the Ladies of the Lake episode, The Corpse in Coniston Water. According to Chilvers, after a walk up there, he decided to pop the question to Magdalena, but the moment was killed, according to him, when she said, I hope you're not going to propose to me, and so he didn't. Nonetheless, on the 29th of February 2012, a leap year and traditionally the day that women propose to men, Magdalena decided to propose to him, hoping marriage would improve things between them. Chilvers indeed accepted. He would later claim he was delighted at the proposal and happily accepted it. However, 
didn't tell his family of the proposal for nine months, later claiming that he hesitated because he thought his parents would be disappointed because they didn't like the way Magdalena treated him, because their plans constantly changed on her whim. I would have thought it would be for other reasons myself that he didn't tell them, but there you go. Hiding the proposal was an act that made Magdalena feel like she wasn't good enough for him, and indeed, even though the couple reportedly bought custom-made rings from a Krakow jeweller's, and went as far as making inquiries about booking a wedding venue in Poland, they would never marry. After finding the proposal had not improved their relationship, he was still behaving like the prick that he sounds, and had now resorted to calling her sheep and referring to himself as sheep owner. Magdalena decided to apply for another posting, this time to Dubai, where she moved to at the end of 2012, but with Chilvers insisting that she only stay in it for a six-month period. They met up around the world whenever their schedules allowed, and indeed, such a long-distance relationship seemed to suit both of them better. In fact, so well did they get on that during one such tryst in Dublin, Magdalena fell pregnant, though both ultimately agreed it was better that she had a termination. When Magdalena returned from Dubai in August 2013, the couple moved to the village of Lim near Warrington and then to Stoke-on-Trent, where Chilver's controlling behaviour towards her continued, him increasingly isolating Magdalena from her friends, the remarks on how she was dressed, checking messages and emails, the behaviour we've heard of, I'm sure you get the picture. In 2014, Magdalena got a new job, this time working for cross-country trains as a retail service manager based out of Piccadilly Station in Manchester. Their relationship was still a difficult one, one made worse by Chilvers having an affair with an unnamed colleague, although when Magdalena found out about this in December 2014, she for the first time broke up with him, moving to a flat of her own in Redditch in northeast Worcestershire. Rather than be shot of him for good following this, however, what she didn't realise at that time was that she'd fallen pregnant with Chilvers' child after a contraceptive pill had failed due to an infection. And when she told him this news in January 2015, whilst he was on holiday in New Zealand with his parents, and further, that she wanted to keep the child, Chilvers was angered by the news and demanded that Magdalena have a termination. In a series of telephone calls and messages to her, Chilvers said that having a baby would ruin his career in life and called her, amongst other things, a monster, a bitch, and a selfish word that I won't say on the show. Begins with a C, ends with a T, I'm sure you know what I mean. For wanting to have the baby. When he returned in February of that year, having made it clear that he resented her, but begrudgingly accepted that she wasn't going to have a termination, his response, rather than supporting her as a former partner, was to draft up a legal contract outlining her full responsibilities if she kept the baby, but assuring her he wanted to play a role in the child's life. And yet, Magdalena now re-entered into a relationship with him, not knowing that Chilvers had now already entered into another affair, this time with a member of Ryanair cabin crew named Lisa Spencer. 
By the time Magdalena discovered this in April 2015, Chilvers had been promoted to captain and as a result had added the traits of becoming snobbish, arrogant and belittling to his already appealing sounding qualities. One of his favoured terms reportedly was to dismiss aircrew as mere trolley dollies. He had also by this time moved out to Lanzarote Airport to work from, and again, whilst he and Magdalena were apart, as she'd remained in the UK, they got on on better terms, though he reportedly showed little interest in the pregnancy. However, when James Andrew Chilvers was born on the 4th of September 2015, Chilvers was at the birth, and photographs published later show both he and Magdalena as proud, smiling parents in the delivery suite, him posed beside his partner as she cradled the newborn son. Indeed, several photographs that were to later emerge, alongside pictures of the couple smiling on nights out or enjoying sun-soaked holidays, and the pictures of a smiling Chilvers holding or carrying his son on the beach or on walks, would fool any casual observer of them into thinking, this is a happy family, this is. Far from it. After James's birth, he and Magdalena joined Chilvers to live in Lanzarote, she seeking to do anything for the child to give him a happy and stable two-parent home, even if that meant leaving her job and the friends that she'd made and putting up with Chilvers' ways and moods, but on a promise from Chilvers that he would end his affair with Lisa Spencer, to which he agreed. However, soon after that, Chilvers began to tell Magdalena that having the baby had taken his freedom away, and that he felt betrayed and disgusted with her. Yet, when she suggested that she and James should return to the UK from Lanzarote, Chilvers told her, If you ever try and run away and hide, I will find you and I will kill you. Thereafter, this was a randomly issued type of threat without any real reason or cause, which became a regular occurrence from him. Though they were hardly what you could call a couple by this time, more like housemates, Chilvers now reportedly also controlled Magdalena's finances, having them paid into his father's bank account and allowing her limited access, would regularly access her phone and Facebook account and would sometimes leave abusive messages there, and assaulted Magdalena regularly when they argued, throttling her several times, and striking her viciously once when she woke him whilst using a breast pump. It was around this time that Magdalena began looking on dating apps, though it was less for sexual purposes, and more for, in her own words, somebody to talk to who didn't make me feel worthless. Whilst the sexual side of their relationship was sporadic, for they normally slept in separate rooms. Chilvers and Magdalena did on occasion have intimacy, admittedly instigated by each other, and it was later suggested that on at least one occasion, Chilvers had had sex with Magdalena while she was asleep, initially without her knowledge. The couple would also sporadically at this time return to the UK, one such occasion being the 22nd of April 2016. Chilvers' 30th birthday, though Magdalena and James had taken an earlier flight. When due to heavy traffic she was late collecting him from Manchester Airport, and had then wanted to sit in the rear of the vehicle to feed and change James, 
Chilvers had reportedly balked at this, calling her a selfish bitch and a selfish, again, a word that I won't use. And when in the ensuing argument, she told him, you don't love me, you don't love James, you just love yourself. He'd banged her head against the car window for ruining my special day. Nonetheless, the three later returned to Lanzarote. However, whilst on holiday in Italy in May of that year, when she later learned that despite his promise to have ended the affair with Lisa Spencer, Chilvers had carried on with it and was still seeing her whenever he could, in July of that year, with financial assistance from Chilvers, Magdalena and James had returned to the UK, finding a home at number 8 Beeford Road in Withenshaw, a semi-detached house on a then newly built estate close to Manchester Airport. Though he was keen to stress that the resettlement fee he'd given her was a strict loan, and of course, which gave him an entitled place to stay whenever, staying there frequently when his travels took him back to the UK. When his posting to Lanzarote came to an end in January 2017, and Chilvers' workbase had become Manchester Airport, he stayed with them ever more frequently for convenience for him, and all the while, according to Magdalena, being as coercive and controlling as we've heard. In May of that year, around the same time that Magdalena had a brief relationship with another man that she'd met on an internet dating site, Chilvers had bought a property in Hewitt Court in the Cheshire village of Wincham, near Northwich, to lead a life away from Magdalena, he would later claim, although the couple were still engaging in occasional sexual relations whenever he would stay in Withenshaw for convenience. When she discovered messages from Lisa Spencer on Chilvers' phone, at the beginning of July 2017, a tearful Magdalena invited her mother, Iwona, to come over from Poland and stay for the support that was lacking with her, apparently, for although Magdalena had around this time begun to confide in her work colleagues about her unhappy domestic situation, even going as far as showing them the bruising to back up her tales, Magdalena had also just discovered that she'd once again fallen pregnant by Chilvers, and in her own later words, didn't want to bring a child into what she felt trapped in, an abusive, humiliating and dishonest relationship. And you never not need your mum, do you? However, on the 27th of that month, as he'd reportedly done so many times before, when Magdalena had confronted Chilvers about the continuing affair with Lisa Spencer and the state of their relationship in general, which sounds pretty piss poor really, doesn't it? Chilvers had manipulated Magdalena into continuing on with it and had asked her and James to move into Hewitt Court with him, to which she had ultimately agreed. It would seem likely that this was the control freak in him saying this merely to get Iwona to leave and succeeding, for five days later, Magdalena's mother indeed flew back to Poland. Two weeks later, on the 14th of August, Chilvers visited a solicitor and had another agreement drawn up, this time a cohabitation agreement whereas Magdalena would pay him £400 per month for her and James to live at Hewitt Court with him, an agreement in which she also would never contest any claim to part of any ownership of the house. There are no reports as to whether Magdalena signed this agreement or not, 
or even if it was finally drafted, this may just have been the proposal. Magdalena was still adamant about not having another child with Chilvers, however, and didn't tell him about her pregnancy, arranging in secret a termination which was performed on the 15th of August. When she had told him about this, two days later, she reported that he subjected her to physical, verbal and sexual abuse that carried on until the 18th of August. Here, in a violent row in front of James, when Magdalena had picked up her phone and confronted Chilvers with posts from Lisa Spencer that told her she was transferring to Manchester Airport to work from, he became angry at this and threw her phone to the floor, smashing the screen on it, before Chilvers pushed her to the floor and sat on her chest, pinning her arms to the floor with his knees, before tickling her violently, though to him as if it were a game. Whereas he'd smashed her phone, Chilvers had downloaded an app to his that could record conversations. It was later claimed in court that it was to gather evidence against Magdalena if she ever tried to take James away out of the country, and which was to record conversations that were very telling, although ultimately not in the way Chilvers would have intended. That Monday, Chilvers and his parents took James away to the Lake District for a few days' break, and alone, Magdalena used this time to start making plans for a new life away from Chilvers. In the days leading up to the horror of the 27th of August, Magdalena began researching new rental properties, started to make notes about the abuse she'd suffered, and told her manager at work of what was happening in her relationship, and took pictures of the bruises that had been inflicted on the 18th. Perhaps showing how near the end of her tether she was, she also performed online searches such as Killing in Self-Defence, Self-Defence Weapons UK and Taser UK Law. But on the 24th of August, contacted the domestic abuse charity Women's Aid Helpline. Here, she detailed to a handler the physical abuse Chilvers had inflicted upon her but denied any suggestion that he had sexually abused her, or specifically, that he was controlling towards her, perhaps afraid to, though she did disclose the events of when he'd assaulted her six days before, and had smashed her phone. Magdalena was assessed as being a medium-risk case, and was advised, amongst other things, to contact police and inform them of the same. This Magdalena did, and the following day, Two Greater Manchester police officers attended Beeford Road and took a statement from her in which she detailed how controlling Chilvers was and described to them several of the events I've mentioned thus far, as well as the events of the 18th of August, with one of the officers photographing the bruising she still had to her arms and her thigh. The plan was, they told Magdalena, to arrest Chilvers on suspicion of assault occasioning actual bodily harm as soon as he returned to Manchester Airport, after flying a Ryanair service to Tenerife over that weekend, with him due to arrive back late the following evening. But when they told her of their plan, she became fearful of what would happen, knowing the threat that Chilvers had made towards her in the past, and begged officers to just log a complaint, rather than actually carrying out the arrest. Doesn't quite work like that though, does it? Perhaps with this very firmly on her mind, 
She contacted Chilvers repeatedly on the morning of Saturday the 26th of August. Some 13 calls were made between the pair, with Magdalena once again telling Chilvers that she believed it best if they were to go their separate ways for good. Now thanks to the app he'd installed on his phone, these calls were recorded, but rather than aid Chilvers, they were instead to be later used in court against him. And during one of these calls, a 33-minute one, a transcript of a portion of it was released to the media, and which I shall relay here as follows, completely warts and all. Described later by prosecutors as a visceral and demeaning rant, in it, Chilvers makes clear to Magdalena that if she left him, he would be maintaining custody of their child, saying, If you try to take James away, I'm going to take you to fucking court and I will fucking win and there's many fucking reasons why I will. I will be living with my son. Fight me on this. You won't win. You haven't got the resources. You haven't got the support. You've not got anything. You've not got the location. You've got nothing. You'll lose. And then when you lose, you'll have set times when you can see your child. That's if you take me to court. If you walk out, you walk out on your own. It's that simple. What's it going to be? In another call the same morning, Chilvers continued shouting and ranting about what would happen if they split, saying, He's not living with you. If you take him away from me, you dumb bitch, why the fuck? I will never agree to not living with your son. I will never stop you living with your son. In fact, I've invited you and him to a fucking house, you dumb bitch. If you put him in the car and drive away, you'll be arrested and you'll be done for abduction. And if you try and take him out of the country, you really will be done for abduction. I'll get a court to put an order on his passport. If you try to smuggle him out of the country and you're caught, you'll be going to jail. Do you think I'm going to agree to you taking James to a different area? Let's face it, if it's more than 10 minutes away from my house, forget it. Do you really want the whole life for the next decade, let's say, to be this sort of battle? Every single day? Is that what you want to put James through? You haven't got the resources to fight this, if you take it to court anyway, and if you were to claim legal aid, the amount you'd be able to get would be negligible to what I'm able to put up. I want James to have brothers and sisters, not half-brothers and sisters with a fucking moron that you find. Doesn't he sound a delightful person, eh? Doesn't he really? Perhaps fearful by this, perhaps some of Chilvers' words ringing true to her, who knows. But at 11.53am, Magdalena once again contacted Greater Manchester Police and told officers she didn't want Chilvers to be arrested, as he was reportedly due to be when he returned from the Tenerife flight late that evening, hoping that she could withdraw the complaint she'd made against him days previously. Whether the complaint was withdrawn or not as a result of this can't be ascertained, but this was clearly on her mind throughout the remainder of that day as she counted down the minutes to Chilvers arriving back at Manchester Airport, which he would have done at 11.24pm and which he reportedly did on schedule. Sometime in the 31 minutes following his landing, Magdalena Lasica suffered a sudden mental breakdown stabbed their 23-month-old son James to death and then turned the knife upon herself, stabbing herself a 
and trying to cut her own throat. One account even claims that she attempted to hang herself also. When he arrived back and discovered her at 11.55pm, Chilvers had rushed her to the nearest hospital, almost immediately contacting police where either she admitted what had happened or he realised that James must still be in the house. Now, though he was released from suspicion of murder, Peter Chilvers was, only days later, rearrested on separate charges referenced his relationship with Magdalena, as detectives had soon noted that she'd contacted Greater Manchester Police twice in the days leading up to the murder, and soon established that Magdalena had been subjected to systematic abuse over several years by Chilvers. In two police interviews, he consistently and stringently denied all of the allegations against him. Indeed, he either had an explanation or a stark opposite account of everything that was put to him. He had never abused her or used violence against her, and admitted that when she proposed to him, he was delighted. He claimed that their sexual relationship was in serious decline by late 2014, and attaching significant importance to this, admitted he had begun the affair with Lisa Spencer that summer because of this, which he regretted, he said, and which he'd continued despite promising to end it when discovered because he was weak. He claimed that they'd remained living together out of convenience, with both of them considering themselves single, and although they had sporadic sexual relations, it was always at Magdalena's instigation. He certainly wouldn't wander into her room and help himself to her body. He told police that he'd been extremely upset when Magdalena had told him she'd had an abortion in August 2017, and had spent the remainder of the day crying, and although admitted he had smashed her phone, he claimed he had done so out of instinct as she thrust it into his face, but denied assaulting her following this. In fact, rather than the couple continue rowing, Chilvers claimed they had actually had make-up consensual anal sex afterwards, as Magdalena was unable to have vaginal sex due to the abortion. He couldn't deny the calls I repeated extracts from earlier, because, as I said, they were recorded on an app on his phone, which he claimed he'd installed because he believed Magdalena was manufacturing evidence against him, for reasons he couldn't understand, but urged that he had never before spoken to anyone in the way he had during those telephone calls, and that they needed to be viewed in the context of the abortion she had had, the lies she was constructing, and the completely false allegations she'd made against him, plus his very real fear that she was about to take James away. Bruises don't get there themselves though, do they? And for what reason exactly would a young mum wish to destroy such a potentially idyllic life for her child by fabricating such an entire story? Peter Chilvers was eventually charged with two counts of rape and one count of assault by penetration as well as three counts of assault occasioning actual bodily harm, a count of common assault, a count of criminal damage, and coercive behaviour in an intimate or family relationship between the 29th of December 2015 and the 27th of August 2017. Now, you may ask, 
Why just from December 2015? Well, behaving in such a way was codified with Section 76 of the Serious Crime Act 2015, subsection 1 of which states, A person, in brackets A, commits an offence if A, A repeatedly or continuously engages in behaviour towards another person, in brackets B, that is controlling or coercive. B, at the time of the behaviour, A and B are personally connected. C, the behaviour has a serious effect on B. And D, A knows or ought to know that the behaviour will have a serious effect on B. 2. A and B are personally connected if A is in an intimate personal relationship with B or A and B live together and they are members of the same family or they have previously been in an intimate personal relationship with each other. Now this can include a pattern of threats, humiliation and intimidation, or it can be behaviour that causes a victim distress, such as stopping a partner socialising, controlling their social media accounts, keeping them short on money, dictating what they wear, spying on their communications, or determining aspects of their everyday life, such as when they eat, sleep, or even when they go to the toilet. So, coercive control became an offence punishable by up to five years in prison under this act. However, Chilvers was released on bail pending trial for these offences, and following Magdalena's sentencing, as I said, a D-notice was placed on all reporting concerning the case until he had appeared in court. Ahead of his court appearance in September 2019, Chilvers, on what would have been James's fourth birthday, posted on his Facebook page. Jamie, my beautiful and wonderful darling, we all miss you desperately. Two years since your murder and still nothing has been done. On this day, your birthday, I solemnly promise you that I will fight for justice for you, darling. When he appeared at Manchester Crown Court on the 30th of September for his trial, Chilvers pleaded not guilty to the charges he faced, and prosecuting counsel Rob Hall Casey outlined to the court the tale pretty much that I've brought you here, including the jury being played the telephone calls, and describing how after their meeting and becoming a couple in 2011. Over the months and years that followed, Peter Chilvers repeatedly mistreated and bullied Magdala Sicker and ever-increasing levels to see what he could get away with. Ultimately, Chilvers treated Magdala Sicker as if she was a possession to do with as he pleased. Following the birth of James, the prosecutor claimed that Chilvers wanted to stay with Magdalena for James's sake, but he still wanted to continue his affair, and added that Magdalena interpreted his cruel behaviour as in punishing her for having James. It seemed to Magdala Sicker that Peter Chilvers genuinely hated her. Now how much this seemed to her was demonstrated by her being the first prosecution witness at his trial and giving a powerful victim impact statement that she'd composed whilst in prison and which reads as follows. This is a very difficult statement to make. I feel it's a closing chapter on the most horrific experience I've ever had and now I only have my flawed memory to work out how it got to this point. I have very little reference to explain how everything went so wrong, 
The only thread in these considerations is that Peter Chilvers was an abuser and I was unfortunate enough to commence a relationship with him. When I started a relationship with Peter Chilvers, I had absolutely no idea he would be the controlling monster I discovered him to be. It's important that the public understand what Peter Chilvers' abuse did to me. It destroyed me. I have no idea how he achieved this, and I will probably spend the rest of my life trying to work out how he turned the confident, ambitious me into what I am now. He broke me, and I find it almost impossible to contemplate that I let this happen. Living with Peter became an exercise of walking on eggshells. The best way to describe the latter stages of the relationship is it became a power struggle. I tried to leave, but he wouldn't let me. I had no power. I tried to break away for the safety of James and myself. I failed because Peter would not release me. I failed because Peter had too much control over me. I lost all my self-respect. My only goal was to get through another day. Peter's behaviour stripped me of my dignity. I have very little left in my life, not even my freedom. This is my burden to carry. I accept it in the hope that someday I can move forward, though I can never be the person I was before I met him. I am alone now. I feel ugly, worthless, defenceless, ashamed, guilty and weak. It's hard to see myself as a victim given the tragic outcome. I know my life has been changed forever and there's nothing I can do to change it back. I have the rest of my life to contemplate these events and it's a daunting prospect. Peter was responsible for doing what he did to me. It's too late for me and everyone affected by his abuse and control and I am genuinely terrified he will do this to someone else. I leave Peter's punishment to the court. I hope he receives a just punishment, but more importantly, I hope he understands what his behaviour has caused. I hope he recognises that he didn't need to break me in the way he did. He's taken everything from me, including my spirit. Powerful words, those, eh? Mark Ford Casey, defending, told the court that the defence case was that Magdalena had lied vindictively to pursue revenge of some sort against Chilvers, and had lied consistently throughout her account. It was unquestioned that at the time of the murder, she was suffering from dissociative disorder with dissociative amnesia, but it was not because Chilvers had chipped away at her to cause her to act how she did. Indeed, character references for Chilvers provided to the court painted a very different picture to that given by Magdalena. Mr Ford said that Lisa Spencer, who by that time had two daughters with Chilvers, aged 17 months and 10 months, had attested to a supportive, cooperative and loving relationship with Chilvers, a relationship that showed a different side to the defendant. He added, Mr Chilvers is deeply traumatised by the death of his son, frequently breaking into hysterical screaming. It is frankly impossible for anybody to comprehend the ordeal that Mr Chilvers and his family have undergone. Now, although the jury was to clear him of the two counts of rape and one count of assault by penetration, as well as two counts of assault occasioning actual bodily harm, the damning phone calls laid bare the utter breakdown of Peter Chilvers and Magdalena Lasica's relationship 
in the hours before she stabbed their son to death. He'd recorded the calls to collect evidence, which he thought would help him in any court case involving his partner and their child, but ultimately, the calls provided powerful evidence for prosecutors aiming to prove that Chilvers bullied and ground down Magdalena before she killed their son. Following a five-week trial, on Friday the 1st of November 2019, Peter Chilvers was convicted of count one against him, coercive behaviour in an intimate or family relationship between the 29th of December 2015 and the 27th of August 2017. Count seven, assault occasioning actual bodily harm on the 18th of August 2017 when he had assaulted Magdalena and count eight, damaging property when he had smashed her phone the same day. Presiding Mr Justice Field then adjourned proceedings ahead of sentencing the following month and attempting to mitigate for a suspended sentence for Chilvers, Mr Ford argued that Chilvers was the sole carer for their two young daughters while Lisa Spencer was out at work and that immediate custody would be a significant threat to his mental health. Arguing for a suspended sentence, he said, He is in short a man on the edge and it has been for over two years. Just a few years ago, Peter Chilvers had the world at his feet. Now he faces the difficult and, if I may say so, painful challenge of rebuilding his life. However, Mr Justice Field said he had concluded, without hesitation, that only prison was justified, and when Chilvers appeared back before him on Thursday the 19th of December, the judge told him. The recordings of the telephone calls opened a window into your behaviour. I have no hesitation in finding that they demonstrate how you repeatedly spoke to Miss Lissica, how you abused, demeaned and belittled her, how you demanded that she would buckle to your every demand. Whilst I accept that the jury acquitted you of the more serious sexual offences, it is undoubtedly the case that throughout the relevant period, particularly when you and Magdalena Lasica were not sharing a bed, you continued to treat her as your sexual property. To use her words, you would help yourself to her body and she would consent because she felt that she had to do whatever was required of her. Such was your control that she felt she had to put up with it. Throughout the period with which this indictment is concerned, your behaviour towards Magdalena Lasica was that of a selfish, entitled bully. I have detected no more than a hint of your remorse, and I note that even a doctor describes you as egocentric, having a longing for appreciation and a reduced ability to understand fully how your behaviour affects others, and that you seek to minimise what you've done wrong and seek to shift the blame onto others. You apparently have a preoccupation with the injustice of it all, that attitude was on full public display when you gave evidence. He then sentenced Chilvers to 18 months imprisonment on the count of coercive behaviour, with the months imprisonment on the other charges to be served concurrently. It was a sentence that later met with anger from the online keyboard warriors, with many slamming the relatively lenient sentence for Chilvers on social media. One Twitter user wrote, tweeting with several angry emojis. 18 months while she got 15 years. Another said, 
tragic news amazes or should i say disgusts me how chilvers only gets 18 months for his major part in this horrific case god bless the poor baby and r.i.p speaking after the case detective chief inspector richard eels of greater manchester police said this has been one of the most devastating and complex cases that i've ever come across I speak for myself and many other colleagues when I say that our thoughts will always remain with James, an innocent little boy who lost his life so needlessly. Today's result is the culmination of hard work and determination from detectives who have been absolutely committed to this case over the past two years. Peter Chilvers inflicted significant domestic abuse towards Magdalena Lasica over a sustained period of time which the court accepts contributed towards a breakdown in her mental health on that fateful evening in August 2017. If people take anything away from this heartbreaking case, please let it be that there is support and help available for those who are suffering at the hands of domestic abuse. Most importantly though, I hope today's results have seen justice served for the person who matters most, James. I hope that it went some way too as well, because it was certainly a big missing piece, wasn't it? Peter Chilvers served less than six months' imprisonment and was released from custody in May 2020 with a Ministry of Justice source saying it was under a home detention curfew, which subjected him to electronic tagging and supervision. In January 2021, he was pictured cradling a third daughter that he and Lisa Spencer had had, which provoked outrage amongst and horrified Magdalena's family, as well as domestic abuse campaigners. Her mother Awona told the Manchester Evening News from a home in Ronke, near the Polish city of Poznan, following publication of the photograph. I can't even call him human. Magdalena was completely dependent on him, and yet she would have managed without him. I would have helped. I knew it was going bad. I found out a year and a half before the tragedy and I wanted him to go away. He hated me because he knew I was against him. My daughter asked him to leave and he continued to intimidate her and threatened to take the child. She tried to kill herself. We're constantly under stress about whether she will get through it all. He was only sentenced to a year and a half because he had money for attorneys. It's very difficult for me. I was in court and testified, and it didn't help much. I don't think it's fair that he's going free. My daughter is still serving her sentence, and he's been released. And now he has three children. We loved that child more than life, and so did my daughter. I don't think he feels any guilt. Neither Chilvers nor his family have commented to the media following his release from prison, though reportedly, he has hinted to friends that he wants the truth to come out. He is today married to Lisa Spencer, very recently too I must add, and in 2021 appealed his convictions, attempting to clear his name. Now if you head to the episode show notes, there is a link there that you can read the findings of the appeal court, which has been massively helpful in creating the episode, and which I hope you will be pleased to know an appeal that was duly dismissed on the 21st of August of that year by a Court of Appeal panel consisting of Lord Justice Fulford, Mr Justice Goose, 
and Sir Roderick Evans. Rather than feel any guilt as Iwona claimed she doubted, I would have to agree with her, for I believe such a pathetic individual as Peter Chilvers' ego makes him really still believe that he is a wronged person. And that way, by bleating on to whoever will listen, he still feels that control. What do you think? Terrible story indeed this one, isn't it? And before I give my own thoughts and feelings on the tale I've brought you, I feel it's important not to lose sight of the most tragic victim here, baby James. I have no doubt that Magdalena was suffering from mental illness at the time she killed James. Events had chipped away at her that much that she wasn't acting in her right or sound mind. Saying that though, and it was a genuine suicide attempt, puncturing her own lung and trying to cut her own throat, none of these tentative trial marks just bang right in there. It does not excuse, and nor does it even begin to shed any light on why she felt the need to stab her toddler son to death. I am not completely dismissing what she did. Yet, rather than dismiss her outright as being as abhorrent as her act was, I instead found myself sympathising somewhat with her. You must literally not know what you're doing and have no control of your actions in such a situation, however terrible and alien they may be, as to stab your own child to death. It must be like falling over a precipice. By all accounts, right up until that point, she was nothing but a loving mother. And though there was throughout no suggestion of the child being in any danger from the couple's toxic-sounding relationship, it's an act that can't be taken back, and one Magdalena will have to live with for the rest of her waking moments. How much more can you punish someone than a lasting one like that? With her, I don't believe it was a lasting mental illness this either, for her account, the victim impact statement that was heard at both her sentencing and that she wrote to give evidence at Chilver's trial, to me, seemed nothing but lucid, heartfelt and genuine to me. But I can imagine the consequence of living each day with committing such actions must play very, very heavily on a person's mind. And the possibility of it over time becoming too much to cope with is a very real one for Magdalena, with her being lost to psychosis. So while she cannot excuse her actions, perhaps she can understand how she was chipped away at by the coercion of Peter Chilvers to end up in such a mental state. And he was convicted of coercion in a court of law, so you can say he's guilty of it, no libel here whatsoever. Although the full extent of which can't really be ascertained. Some of what was heard in court may have been exaggerated, whilst there equally may have been incidents or events that didn't come to light. I've merely brought you what was publicised. Regardless, throughout the account, throughout researching the tale, your first impressions last, and I was left less than impressed with him from what I came to learn. In short, a total parasitic scumbag is the impression I was left with. I do not like this individual one bit. I feel his sentence here was paltry, and I can understand the frustration and anger felt over it. If coercion you're guilty of plays any part whatsoever in the death of a child, then you sentence them to the full weight that you can, surely. What is going on there? 
and he has the nerve to feel wronged by getting off as lightly as he did. It is just surely part of his flawed character that though. Having had two affairs whilst in a relationship, and the latter one with Lisa Spencer, having continued until the couple now have three daughters together, and have even married fairly recently, as I said, I would have thought that this was just the tip of the iceberg, and an individual like Chilvers would never change. He would see captain and rank and status as his ticket to sexually doing whatever he wanted with whoever. Weak doesn't come into it for me at all. Arrogance, I thought, is a much better word. Strangely, a degree of pity for Lisa Spencer crossed my mind also. Only a degree, mind, for now being tied to such an individual for many years. Until I kicked myself up the arse and realised that they are indeed best suited to each other. And as long as they're together, a relationship built on deceit that both entered into, then they're saving two other people from ultimate misery. Or perhaps not. The leopards don't change their spots really, do they? What do you think? I know some people feel trapped in such situations and that they really feel they do not have any other option but to stay in such a toxic sounding mess. I understand that, but it does make me seethe that people like this are out there. I despise with all of my being people like Chilvers and my heart does go out to anyone who finds themselves trapped in such a situation. If this has rung true to you at all, all I can say is please, if anything that you've heard here has rung true, then there are a list of helplines, websites and organisations that can be found in the show notes that someone from will always listen to you, will always advise you. Hey, if it helps and you'd wish to reach out, I'll always listen and advise where I can do too. If you ever want someone to talk to, there's always someone there who will help. I would love as always hearing your thoughts and feedback on the tale Control, which you can do in the thread that's now up in the show's Facebook discussion group, or by getting in touch through any of the show's social media links if you'd like to. I'm always happy to gas wherever. Onwards and upwards now, as yet another tale of darkness beckons that I shall be back with you very soon for, and I look forward to you joining us to hear. I thank you once again for joining me in the MOG today, and all that remains for me to say is that I've been, I still am, and hopefully still will be Paul, the true crime enthusiast, wishing you all good and safe times, and I shall speak to you very soon. Take care all, stay safe, and goodbye for now.